Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Well, hey, y'all. How y'all doing? I don't even know. I don't even know what y'all are doing. Y'all is listening in on everything I'm talking about, everything I'm saying today. Everybody's always paying attention. Y'all is like good students. Y'all is real smart. Paying attention and all. Y'all is attention payers. You see, what I think y'all ought to be called is y'all ought to be called Freedom Ninjas. That's what y'all ought to be called, is Freedom Ninjas. Y'all ought to be called Freedom Ninjas, and y'all ought to be called a million happy warriors uh, right now. That's what y'all ought to be called. Because you know why? Because y'all are awesome. You know why y'all are awesome? Because you're smart. Y'all know better than most people what's going on in the world. You know why? Because y'all were not afraid of the truth. You, like the ninja pastor, you ain't afraid of the truth. So you go headlong into your day knowing that you's going to face the truth. You don't mess around, neither. You're smart. You're brave. You're extremely well-informed. And you educate other people. Now, how do you do that? Well, one of the ways that you do that is you fill your head full of, full of the right stuff. Many of you are Christians. Many of y'all are Christians, and y'all y'all know what you believe. You see so many other people, they don't know what they believe. They have no clue. So many other people, they they listen. But they don't hear. They listen, but they don't hear. Let me tell you what, folks. I've been amazed at the number of people who have listened to last week's show. I've been blown away. Should Christians fight terrorism or should we just hug? 
Should Christians kill terrorists, or should we just hug them? Before we get to that, uh, I want to direct your attention to drshawngreener.com, theninjapastor.com. I just did a uh, blog post there. Um, if you go into the blog section there, if you do drshawngreener.com backslash blog backslash, you will see the latest uh, blog post there regarding Tim Tebow. Seems to be the butt of all anti-Christian jokes, even from Christians. I have a lot to say about that. I have a lot to say about that. So welcome to our chat section. That's open if you uh, if you show care to imbibe. If you care to imbibe, you go ahead, and there's no charge. It's free of charge to you. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. So let me say this before, and I hate when I start statements with so. Uh, that seems to be the new thing these days. Um, let's see here. Some folks are logged in. Logged in. I like that. Um, let me see where we got some people, just for fun. Just for fun. Let's see where we got some people logging in from. We've got Germany. We've got France again. By the way, we had 13 people listen to Sunday's message last week. Isn't that cool? How cool is that? 13 people. And uh, let's see, Germany. We usually have Belgium looking here. Hmm, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We do have people from British Columbia, and we do have people from the UK, as I'm looking here. And we have somebody from Alaska. Love that. Love that. I love that. That's some cool stuff. So I posed some tough questions, and, and, uh, and, and I got a lot of feedback. There's a lot of people who have had a lot to say about last Monday's Last Monday was the most listened to show so far that I've done. And in doing that show, you know, I put a lot into it. And uh, I really, I put a lot into all this. By the way, if you have, you know, what I do as a ministry, because I don't get paid to do this, and this is what I do. So I will say this, that um, in fairness to you, uh, if you, if I've had people contact me and say, "Well, how can I, how can I participate in what you're doing?" Um, I would say one of the best ways is to pray for me. Probably the best way. Crikey! Uh, one of the best ways to uh, that what you can do is just pray for me. Um, and one of the other ways that you can help is the donate button on drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com. All this stuff costs money. Um, I don't get paid to do what I do. Um, and so, as a result, we really uh, we can use your money, not all your money. You know, you can't send no uh, jangly money. You got to send folding money. So what you do is it's it's a PayPal thing. You click on that and you use your bank card or credit card, or whatever. Um, but I'd appreciate it, and it certainly is very very helpful. And thank you to all those that give. Um, I also want you to know. You, you know, you just never know. I might look in there and, and folks that give, 
um, I might just send you a book, contact you and send you a signed book. And so that is uh, the deal. Anyway, so I was really surprised, quite frankly, uh, that it was as well received as it was. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Before I get started, I want to say this. Um, The guy who set up the God in Country radio show page on the Facebook, he's deployed. He's an active duty. I've been telling you guys he's an active duty soldier, fireman. He's a fireman. As we say in Sussex County, uh, he's a fireman. He fights fars. That's how you say that. You guys didn't know that. I'm educating you. It's free of charge. Look, I don't charge for this free education on how to speak right. Uh, but but this year, uh, my buddy, I'm not going to say his name because he's active duty deployed overseas in the Middle East. And um, he's going to celebrate on December 19th. He's going to celebrate his 43rd birthday. And he's going to be overseas. There's a number. We're just talking about Newcastle County, Delaware. 26 represents approximately 10% of the homeless veterans existing in Newcastle County today. That is amazing and sickening. You guys know that. It just ticks me off. A veteran that's homeless. That makes no sense to me. But on this same day, on December 19th, uh, my friend Ray Siemens of Troubadour Ministries, awesome, awesome musician. I mean, seriously, an awesome musician. He'll be hosting 26 homeless veterans for dinner and a concert. The goal is to give each veteran a gift card that they can use to purchase Christmas gifts or personal items. This year, uh, we would like to give this this deployed soldier and his wife would like to give each veteran a Christmas gift bag with essentials. We need 26 Christmas gift bags with the following deodorant, two-in-one shower shampoo, toothpaste, toothbrush, alcohol-free mouthwash, hat, scarf, and gloves. This soldier, good friend of mine, a guy who is just awesome. He's a great guy. He really, really is a great guy. They're both great people. Uh, This guy and his wife would be greatly honored if you would consider sponsoring a bag in his name for each of these homeless veterans. You may also consider a donation to Troubadour Ministries in in his honor. You just tell him a buddy of the Ninja Pastor, if you want to put that on there, because I don't want to give you his name over the air. Um, Donations are tax deductible and can be made at troubadourministry.org or mailing to P.O. Box 13201, Wilmington, Delaware, 19850. You put a little note on there, Vet Christmas. Or you can contact the founder of Troubadour Ministries and the guy who's behind all this, um, Ray Siemens, phenomenal musician, for real, 302-290-6573. Look, if you want to go to this event, if you're in the tri-state area, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, really, New Jersey, New York is only 63 miles away from... Uh, not far away. So come on, you you know, if this is important to you, you want to contribute to a really valuable thing, then you can come. And and all they ask for is a minimum contribution to cover the cost of a veteran's meal along with yours. And seating is very limited. Let me say this about that. Some of you have the resources to underwrite this whole thing. And you've been looking for something good to do with your resources. Uh, and I'll um, I'll just tell you this. I can only tell you there there are few better things to do with your money than this. 
few better. Understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be ignorant here, uh, but you could buy. Well, well, for instance, there's a there's a family in my Kehala, the the Sunday thing. You can listen to those messages free of charge, no cost or obligation to you here at BlogTalkRadio.com backslash the Ninja Pastor. Tell you what, you can even go over to the ninjapastor.com or Dr. Sean Greener, D R S H A W N G R E E N E R dot com. Go in the blog section. You can click on the short links, all that stuff. It's cool. We're also on iTunes, and it's free. It's all free. I cover the cost of all that. Um, let me say, let me say this to you. You need to understand uh, something very, very important here. Uh, and this is, uh, I have nothing to do with this. This is just because these people are awesome. There's another family in our Kehala who says, you know what? We've been very. Now, that's a young family. I mean, they're. They're married, I think, 20-some years, but they must have gotten married when they were 10 because they both look very young, both very healthy. One of one of the guys I hunt with, actually, uh, the husband I hunt with, and they said, this year, you know what, we really, um, man, you know, God's been so good to us. We, we you know, we don't need anything. We have what we need. We don't need anything else. So what we want to do is this year we want to give what we would have normally done for our um you know for our uh what do you call it um christmas is the word i'm looking for uh you you need to understand these this is these are blue collar people right so when you hear me talking about this you need to understand that it's not i'm i'm not talking about super rich people here and they've had, listen they've had many many challenges in their life many life has not been easy for them but you know what they've weathered the storms uh, they're the coolest people honestly i'm not just saying that um but i have to say this they I put this. They have a humility that they live out. They live out their humility. They live out their generosity. They live out their Christ likeness. And so, let me just tell you this: what they said is, since since God has been so good to us, uh, we want to take the money that we would spend for Christmas, and we want to we want to adopt a family and provide them with a Christmas, everything they need for Christmas. We don't, you know, look, we don't want it to be a family that because you know, they're in a bad way because they're alcoholics or they're drug addicts or they're, you know, any any number of other, like they, they just won't keep a job because they're lazy. You know people like that. You know, it is, I'll tell you the truth, I'm kind of overcome actually by their generosity. I am. I'm overcome by it. I mean, it touches me. It genuinely, seriously touches me. But they want to do this. So I'm in the process in the uh, Delaware area, let's just say, the Delaware area, of trying to find a family that are good people, that they're just, they're just, um, you know, they've had a rough time. They're not lazy. 
Good people, they're not lazy. They just had a tough time. Things things have just not gone their way. And so this family from my Kehala, they 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 want to adopt them. It can be um well, let me just let me just put it to you this way. Um we can make all the arrangements and all that stuff as privately and anonymously as possible. Um if that's what the family wants. So anyway, uh, all that said, to say this, if you know of somebody and you're in this area, give me uh, contact me through theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com, the, the contact me page. Contact me through that. Or if you happen to know me personally and you have my number, uh, or you're on the Facebook, you know you can like me on the Facebook page. Um, just you just click on follow or like or whatever because I have the 5,000 friend thing. So you can't, I mean, you can't friend me, but uh, you can certainly follow. And uh, so that being said, um, that being said, what you can do is contact me through those and and we'll make the arrangements and and we'll make sure that um, these people are taken care of. But this is awesome. So if you know a family in the Newcastle County, Delaware area um, that really could use a hand this Christmas, you got to do it fast. You got to do it soon. So we can do all the vetting and all that stuff and then, you know, put things in place. So anyway, there's that. <clears throat> so last week we began a new series of messages on how the Christian prepares for what is to come. And obviously the catalyst was the Paris attacks, right? Let me let me say this about that. You know, Israel is attacked like this every day. And... All that really happens with Israel is Israel gets yelled at by the air quotes international community. So it's frustrating, uh, as all get out, just so you know, uh, it's frustrating that um, they, you know, how do I put this? It's an unfair, it's a very unfair thing for a country like Israel. It doesn't bother anybody. I mean, honest to goodness. You know, more medical, listen listen to the, I've said this before, and I don't know, you know, our audience grows every day, um, every week. There's more people listening. and So maybe, just maybe, you didn't listen to the one particular show where I did talk about uh, the, uh, excuse me. Had to bend over, and I'm old. Where I did talk about the um, the patents, the medical patents that Israel is responsible for. You know, they're responsible for more in- inventions and medical patents anywhere in the world. They're absolutely amazing the stuff they do. They're great people. I mean, I, I have been very close friends for many years with many, many uh, Orthodox Jews. Um, uh, Jews of of all different uh, all different sects, and so you know you need to know. I kind of know what I'm talking about. My background is in the Hebrew uh, culture and worldview, and as a result, you know I'm I'm around a lot of Jews. So I know uh, people. I mean Jews that that live in Israel, and you need to understand that these people undergo things that you would never put up with. Honestly, you'd never put up with it. You know that you wouldn't. I know that you wouldn't. You know. We, we know this. 
We know this. And and, mo- and I'll tell you what, in fairness to the rest of the audience, this is their first time. Look, I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the people that listen to this show get it. You get it. But, you know, if you're a person that lives in Israel, you've got the whole world, and I mean the whole world, against you. You've got the whole world against you. You can't seem to catch a break. For Pete's sake, you can't catch a break. If you're if you're Israeli living in Israel, you can't catch a break. You can't get anybody to give you a break. You can't get the world press to give you a break. In fairness, you know what? You cannot, you cannot tell me a mainstream um air quotes, news provider, mainstream media, you can't show me a single one that deals fairly with Israel. You can't show me a single one. You know it. I know it. We all know it. My buddy Steve uh, says on chat, they're surrounded by enemies and, and their back is to the sea. It's not an easy position to live in. They're a country the size of New Jersey. You get that, right? They're a country the size of New Jersey. And their enemies live all around them. We're supposed to be their number one ally, yet Hussein Obama, obviously a Muslim. He's constantly saying how great a friend we are and how great he is to the Israelis, but in in fact, that's a total lie just like everything else the man says. And I use the term man very loosely. Anyway, I got fired up. Sorry. I'm not sorry, really. So obviously the catalyst was the Paris attacks and and the subsequent uh, pseudo-intellectual back and forth. And and then that's on the question of the moral and right approach to those. There's multiple attacks, you know, in France. And this has shocked them. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you this. Look, France should not be shocked. Look, this can't possibly be a shock to them. They've had an open border uh, policy. Their ideology uh, is let's just let all the Muslims in. It's not a bad thing. Let's let all the Muslims in. Why not? What could go wrong, Sean? What could go wrong? So there you have, there you have, and and people say, oh, my gosh, how could you say that? You know, number one is a pastor. Number two, uh, you know, these people have been through so much. Uh, They brought it on themselves. Just as we're, look, I'm I'm not some guy that's acting like I'm so far above Right, I, 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 we kind of get what's coming to us too, if we sit and allow Hussein Obama to shove the entire Syrian air quotes refugee problem down our throat. But it brings up the real question regarding this air quotes refugee crisis. 
What is the appropriate Christian approach? What would Jesus do with the Syrian refugees, and what did he instruct us to do? I know. I know. Can you imagine a bracelet like that? What would Jesus do with the Syrian refugees, and what did he instruct us to do? Yeah, that's too long. It's too long. It won't sell. You couldn't even give it away. So anyway, before we jump into some some specifics today, I want to emphasize that there is overlap. And while there is overlap in the ways that both Christians and non-Christians prepare, there are some really serious and really real significant differences in how Christians and non-Christians prepare. And I'm going to explore both with you. I'm not going to just come at it from a Christian and Jewish perspective. I'm going to to do both. As a Christian and Jew, God has given you some very real weapons and protections that, frankly, the rest of the world doesn't have. And, And not only do they not have it, they don't have any idea about what I'm talking about. But I want to be fair to you and tell you that God, you need to remember this, God is not surprised by where we are today. And remember, you're in this world. If if you've placed your faith in Yeshua HaMashiach, which is Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, then you know you're in this world, as as Scripture tells you, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. And you know what? Your body, you're you're in this world, uh, but you're not of this world, and your body, for that matter, it, it was designed to be temporary. Your presence here is designed to be temporary. Don't forget this in all... And all of its truth, and all of its powerful truth, you know, all the answers of the world can be answered in Scripture. Or all the questions of the world can be answered in Scripture. Man, I'm telling you, if you're not in chat, if you have the ability to be in chat, there's some powerful stuff going on there. (laughs) Our upstate New York, originally from Sussex County, Delaware... I won't say his name on the air, but he says if the Lord pulls a Moses and parts the Atlantic so they can walk over, I'd say let them in. Whew! Bring it. He threw, he done threw down the gauntlet. The gauntlet has been thrown. So Ephesians Ephesians six twelve through seventeen. For we are not struggling against human beings, but against the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers governing this darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. You need to understand something here, folks. And they're like, man, go on, you're taking us to church. You need to understand a very powerful truth that really governs virtually everything. Deal with Islam. This deal with, and I'm going to share some some facts about Islam that I didn't share on the, the the Sunday broadcast. But go back and listen to the Sunday broadcast because you you never know what nuggets you're going to get. It's free too. But this is the battle. Islam is dark. 
we're going to talk about what Islam really is. And I have such great people that uh, that help me with research and vetting and all of these things. And Jerry from Pennsylvania provided a tremendous help today. Um, also Bonnie and and some other people and uh, some downstate folks. Really great information every week. Um, whether I use or I don't use the information, I want you to know it all goes into the show. It all, one way or another, finds its way to inform me over and above what you know what I already do, and, and it's really super helpful. And I'll tell you what else is helpful when when you send comments. Listen, if you're on BlogTalkRadio.com backslash the Ninja Pastor, could you subscribe or or um, sign up or whatever? Uh, on the God and Country radio show page, it um, it actually there's a place underneath my cover photo that you can put uh, sign up. You can just click on sign up, and that will you get all the information from the show, and it's free. And we don't sell your information, we don't trade it, we don't do anything like that. Anyway, back to this. You know, two hours really isn't even enough. So you, so you, you remember where we were, right? You didn't forget. I'm, I'm talking about the cosmic powers. What's governing the darkness? It's in the spiritual realm. It's in the heavenly realm. And Islam is absolutely a cult of death. So verse 13 reads this way. So take up every piece of war equipment. God provides. Let me say that again, because maybe I said it wrong. I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. I don't know. So take up every piece of war equipment God provides, so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to memorize this word, resist. When the battle is won. Not if the battle is won. Maybe we'll win. Maybe we won't. Not if. Not maybe. When the battle is one, you will still be standing. This is the verse that I get. Decide, resolve, stand. Hashtag, decide, resolve, stand. Verse 14, therefore, stand. Have the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Put on righteousness for a breastplate. And wear on your feet the readiness that comes from the good news of shalom. Always carry the shield of trust with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of deliverance along with the sword of the Spirit. Sword of the Spirit given by the Spirit. That is the Word of God. Look, these aren't just words. You need to understand they're not just words. When you look at the terror with which we are at war, it is obvious that we're not fighting a particular country or a person with global ambition as in previous wars. These are not people who have the uh, courage, I should say, to be an army, a uniformed army. What do they do? They go and they kill innocent, unsuspecting civilians, children, women. The most innocent of people. They don't care. This We're not dealing with a, 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 a previous type of enemy. This is totally different. So I say this, Christian brothers and sisters, Jewish 
brothers and friends. Traditional weapons, as much as you know, Lord, 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 you know I love me some traditional weapons. They aren't enough on their own. And I'll tell you what, it's with our great fortune and blessing that God hasn't left us orphans without resources. But see, here's the thing. You have to avail yourself of them. Uh, always carry the shield of trust. It doesn't come with you automatically. You have to wear on your feet the readiness. You have to stand. You have to put on the belt of truth. You have to take up every piece of war equipment God provides. You have to accept and understand you know, how it really is. You've got to avail yourself of the weapons. And there will be more on this as we go deeper. But I want this in your mind as I go forward. And in clay, look, in case you have been asleep, and I mean really, like we are talking about <laughs> one of our listeners in Ohio says, I have the concealed sword of the Spirit with me every day. Amen. I'm telling you right now, if you're a person in your state and they allow concealed carry, I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. This is something you've got to pursue vigorously because they're going to try to take it away. But if you've been in super deep REM sleep for the past few months, here is what the church through Hussein Obama is doing in the name of, air quotes, the church. And I stole this with permission from my dear friend and somebody really you also ought to be listening to and reading weekly. This is Andrea Shea King. She's been a guest on the show many times. She actually listens to the show, which I'm honored. She's a great patriot lady, super smart, uh, super well-researched, and I mean to tell you, she gets after it. She is fearless. But so I'm going to give you some of that, and then. Um, but right now I want to give you some really great insight from my friend and professor uh, in seminary. He's an Oxford PhD, Dr. Dr. Skip Moen, of skipmoen.com, S-K-I-P-M-O-E-N.com. And if you go there, you can – don't do it while you're driving. That's crazy. Um, but you can sign up. You just a small donation and um, – you know, you'll get this in your inbox of your email every day. It's amazing. But this is called Spiritual Warfare by Dr. Skip Moen. Come and pray. This is an excerpt from the Jerusalem Talmud, Berakot 4, 4 uh, through 8b. Pray. The Jerusalem Talmud, the shorter of the two great collections of rabbinic material, includes the following instruction. One who is called upon to lead services is not told, come and pray, but come and kerev. Offer our services, seek out our needs, fight our wars. Vice comments, the word kerev here means battle or combat, and it's related to the word kerov, which means close. And you see, this term perfectly captures the combative yet intimate nature of prayer, the need to draw close to God in order to challenge him. Are you listening? Look, we receive, this is me talking, we receive by faith. And you know what? If your prayer lacks the belief that it will achieve its goal or be answered, then it won't. It can't. Remember what I teach. Hesitant faith is no faith at all. 
The challenge, you see, is within ourselves. Don't we fear too much that God isn't listening or that he isn't able to answer our prayer? I'm going to tell you right now, write this down. Fear eats faith. Fear consumes. Fear lives on eating faith. And it's a low-calorie meal. You need to understand, much like Peter or Kepha, his real name is Kepha in Hebrew. You need to understand that when we pray, we're calling down fire. Brothers and sisters, we are calling down fire when we pray. Jesus died so that we could come before God. Jesus came to undo every single work of the enemy, every single one. Therefore, when we pray for protection, when we pray for courage, when we pray for strength, when we pray for a sharp sword or a, or a, or a, a sighted-in AR-15 to fight our enemy, we're in God's will. I'm going to ask you, have you ever prayed like this? Have you stood before the Lord and challenged him, fought with him? This is back to Dr. Moen. Fought with him, argued with him, as Abraham did, as Moses did. Have you considered the intimacy of argument, the fervor, the intensity? Or are your prayers patterned according to the acceptable social etiquette of religion? Listen, this is back to me, Dr. Sean. Have, have you been in churches where everybody essentially prays the same prayer? Why is it most preachers, uh, when they're praying, many of them take on some sort of sing-song voice, and it's always in an accent that they don't have? Lord, we beseech thee. You know? And then you're shaking their hand after the service, and you're like, "Uh, Pastor, that was awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, that's awful nice of you, you know. But when he's praying, Lord, beseech thee, we cautious. This is back to Dr. Moen. Cautious plebeian pabulum designed more to placate than to debate. Where do we learn to pray as if we're imploring a policeman not to give us a, a please, pretty please, don't give us a ticket to hell? Do you think Yeshua the son of Adonai Elohim, prayed like Walter Mitty. Was Moses' middle name Milk Toast? Abraham Heschel, you guys know I love Abraham Heschel, wrote, a man's prayer is answered only if he stakes his life on it. That means prayer is a life and death activity. Where have you been while the cosmos is shaking and God is quaking? The religious community opines about spiritual warfare quite often, but the problem seems to be that we expect some angelic host to do the fighting for us. We plead for intervention instead of sharpening the very weapons we've been given. 
We bow our heads and we fold our hands like good little supplicants instead of slicing our way into the presence of the Most High, blood running down the thigh as we cut apart his inattention to the matter. O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Folks, that's the opening of an amazing battle. It does. It, look, it's not a battle with the forces of darkness. The evil demons or Lucifer, as is so popular among those who have accepted the medieval views of the enemy. It is a battle with Yahweh, an attempt to argue with Yahweh's decision. We're arguing with him. Hey, wait, do you see us here? It is a man, Moses. In that passage, O oh Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? That's Moses standing up to God. Are you kidding me? Is this even conceivable? Oh, but of course it is. It is intimate argument, the kind I suspect that God loves. How much more do you think he appreciates? No, relishes prayer that is so intense that is unafraid to object. Would you rather have passive compliance or fervent dispute? Who taught you the kindergarten view of prayer? And why do you insist on remaining a child? As it is said, the time of prayer is a time of combat. Are you listening? We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Hey, listeners, let me tell you something really quick. Listen, if you own a gun, not even if you carry a gun, not even if you have a concealed carry permit, but if you own a gun... You need to listen up. You need to get a pen, you need to get paper, something. You need to click into your notes and your smartphone and, and take this number down. First of all, the first number is 20630. Don't worry, I'll repeat it. 20630. Listen, you have the right to defend yourself and your loved ones and your home. All of that stuff is true. You know it is. But the moment you pull the trigger or pull your gun, you are at risk for devastating legal and financial consequences. You know, you can be arrested. You can be jailed. You can be sued. You can be fired. You can be bankrupted. Even when you've legally and justifiably used a gun in self-defense. So you don't have to let this happen to you. Just call Second Call Defense. That number you want is 20630. Listen, it's going to get you a whole month free. 20630. I'll give you the number in a second. You're going to enjoy, listen, when you become a member, you're going to enjoy peace of mind of having immediate and comprehensive legal and financial protection at your fingertips the moment you pull your gun, the moment you pull the trigger, no matter where you are in the United States. You just make two calls. Your first call should always be to 911 to request an ambulance and law enforcement. And listen, we'll tell you exactly what to do, what to say, how to say it. Your second call should be to second call defense. Listen, we've got your back. It's complete legal protection for armed self-defense, and it is fully endorsed by the NRA. It's fully backed by the NRA insurance program. Folks, you've got to have this coverage. I have the Cadillac protection, which is the ultimate coverage, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. People say, well, I, I've got homeowner's coverage. 
That'll protect me. I've got an umbrella policy, civil liability policy. No, no, it won't. In fact, it's specifically excluded. You say, well, I'll get a public, a public defender. They'll keep me out of jail. No, they won't. First of all, usually public defenders are from liberal colleges and liberal law schools. They hate guns. They hate people that carry guns. And they're, they don't understand uh, lethal force to start with. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Is that what you want to bet your freedom on? Is that what you want to bet your financial future on? That? Are you kidding me? 877-502-3300. Secondcalldefense.org. You want to give them this number, 20630. That's a Ninja Pastor's number. You give them that, they're going to give you a free month. Go to God and Country Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up. You, you, you know, sign up by the means of putting in your information for the show uh, to follow the show. But there's links on there. Once you do that, or on that page, there's a link there, and that will show you exactly where to go. You click on that link, go get all kinds of information. There are no contracts. You're not locked in. And once you get your money back, your free uh, month back. They never come back and take it back. This is the best coverage out there. Trust me. I've researched it all. Join today. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. I'll tell you, we have the smartest listeners because in chat, I know somebody was probably, uh, somebody's probably hacked my show notes, but um, he has, and he, he and I think very much alike. What do we pray for? What do we pray for? We pray for the ability, the strength, and the opportunity to win in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Adonai Elohim. Whatever that need is, win it. Own it and be willing to strike with fervor, with commitment, with resolve whenever the Lord gives you that opportunity. Tell you what, you can't do that hiding in a bathroom, sheltering in place. Lock and load, folks. Lock and load. So Jerry from PA, look, you need to understand Islam. The Chinese nor the Russians represent the greatest threat to the world and might be the fulfillment of the book of Revelation in the Holy Bible. This is adapted from Dr. Peter Hammond's book. You've got to read that guy. He's amazing. Slavery, Terror, and Islam, the Historical Roots and Contemporary Threat. Islam is not a religion, nor is it a cult. In its fullest, fullest form, it is a complete, total, 100% system of life. Islam has religious, legal, political, economical, I shouldn't. I say that like Sussex County. Economic, social, and military components. The religious component is a beard for all of the other components. Islamization begins when there are sufficient Muslims in a country to agitate for their religious privileges. Again, it's a beard. As an as as a uh, metaphor, it's a beard, a cover, a hiding for all the other components of it. When politically correct, tolerant, and culturally diverse societies agree to Muslim demands for the religious privileges, some of the other components tend to creep in as well. Here's how it works. A lot of you asked for this, by the way. Um, I talked a little bit about this several weeks ago, and many of you asked me, um, you know, can you go over those again? And I promised you last week that I would, and I am, so I keep my promises. 
I try to anyway. I try to keep my promises. What can I do? As long as the Muslim population remains around 2% in any given country, they will, for the most part, be regarded as fairly peace-loving minority and not as a threat to other citizens. This is the case in the United States. Muslims represent just under 1%. Australia, uh, they're having all kinds of problems. 1.5% Muslim population. Canada, 1.9%. Tons of problems there. China, ironically, Muslim population, 1.8%, but China is catching on. Italy, the Muslim population is between 1.5 and 2%. Norway, 1.8%. At 2 to 5%, they begin to proselytize from other ethnic minorities and disaffected groups, often with major recruiting from jails and among the street gangs. This is happening in Denmark, where the Muslim population is over 2%. Germany, the Muslim population is 3.7, climbing more towards 4%. The United Kingdom, Muslim population is 2.7, between 2.7 and 3.4%. Spain, it is over 4% right now. Thailand, the Muslim population is 4.6%. You need to understand that 5% on, from 5% on, they exercise an inordinate influence in proportion to their percentage of the population. For instance, they will push for the introduction of halal, which is, just means clean by Islamic standards, food halal food, thereby securing food preparation jobs for the Muslims. They will increase pressure on the supermarket chains to feature halal on their shelves, along with threats uh, for failure to comply. And this is, incur this is happening right now. I need you to understand that these numbers are a tiny bit old. These are just a tiny bit old. Just exactly, exactly. In, in uh, chat, uh, Steve has really cleared it up. Refugee is a beard for terrorism. We'll talk more about that in a couple of minutes. France. In France, the uh, Muslim population is 8% or more. This is occurring. They're, they're doing all the things that I just mentioned to you and more. Philippines, the Muslim population is 5 to 8%. I'm not sure there. Sweden, 5 to 8%. Switzerland, 43 to 6.8%. Trinidad and Tobago. 58 to 6.5%. At this point, they will work to get the ruling government to allow them to rule themselves within their ghettos under Sharia or the Islamic law. The ultimate goal of Islamists is to establish Sharia law over the entire world. Did you catch that? Are you listening? The ultimate goal, let me be very, very clear, of Muslims is to in increase their numbers and their influence so as to establish Sharia law over the entire world, not just the Muslim world, everyone. When Muslims approach 10% of the population, they tend to increase lawlessness as a means of complaint about their conditions. In Paris, we see the car bombings, we see the Bataclan, we see the stadium where a past uh, prime minister and the current uh, or president uh, of Paris, of, of France, were at the same time. Uh, car burnings, uh, police cars overturned, you know, all these different things. Any non-Muslim action offends Islam, whether you're trying to offend Islam or not. And it results in uprisings and threats 
such as in Amsterdam, with op- opposition to Muhammad cartoons. Remember that? And films about Islam. Such tensions are seen daily, particularly in Muslim sections uh, in the following countries. In Guyana, Muslim population over 10%. India, Muslim population 13.4%. And this is the last thing they need, right, with the poverty that they have in India, 134 to 15%. Israel, the Muslim population. Now, now remember, this is Israel. Jewish homeland, Muslim population, 16%. Kenya, Muslim population, over 10%. And Russia, uh, Muslim population is 15%. After reaching 20%, nations can expect hair-trigger rioting, jihad, militia formation, sporadic killings, and the burnings of Christian churches and Jewish synagogues, such as in Ethiopia. The Muslim population there is just under 35%. At 40%, nations experience widespread massacres, chronic terror attacks, and ongoing militia warfare, such as in Bosnia. Muslim population is over 40%. Chad, the Republic of Chad, Muslim population is over 50%. In Lebanon, the Muslim population is over 60%. From 60% on, nations experience unfettered persecution of nonbelievers and all other religions including non-conforming Muslims. In other words, if you're not, I'm going to explain this. If you're not, it's not just if you are an infidel. It's if you're not Muslim enough. You're not Muslim enough. So then they start doing ethnic cleansing. That's genocide. The use of Sharia law as a weapon, and jizyah, which is a tax placed on infidels, such as in, this is already in existence, Albania, Muslim population is over 70%. Malaysia, the Muslim population is over 60%. Qatar, or Qatar, Muslim population is 77.5%. Sudan, the Muslim population is 70%. After 80%, look, this is what you can expect. Daily intimidation, violent jihad, and state-run ethnic cleansing, even genocide, as these nations drive out the infidel. You know who the infidel is. That's you. That's me and move toward 100% Muslims, such as has been experienced and is going on right now. Bangladesh, Muslim, 83%. Egypt, Muslim, 90%. Gaza, 98.7% Muslim. Indonesia, 86.1% Muslim. Iran, Muslim, 98%. Iraq, 97% Muslim. Jordan, 92% Muslim. Morocco, 98.7%. By the way, many of you probably know Morocco is our oldest ally. They were the first country to recognize the United States as a sovereign nation, Morocco. We have a special relationship with Morocco. Pakistan, uh, Muslim, 97%. Palestine, not a country, 99%. That's, that's a place we need to turn to glass, quite frankly, uh, and all that is in it. And then rebuild Retweet, Syria, Muslim, 90%. Tajikistan, uh, that's Muslim population of 90%. Turkey, uh, and this is getting worse, by the way, if it can possibly get worse under Erdogan. Muslim, 99.8%. And the UAE, or the United Arab Emirates, Muslim population is 96%. What happens uh, at 100%? Well, that's going to usher in the piece of... Dar es Salaam, the Islamic House of Peace. Um, here there's supposed to be peace because everybody's a Muslim, 
right? The madrasas are the only schools. The Quran is the only word. And where is this the case now? Well, that's Afghanistan. Super peaceful place, 100% Muslim. Saudi Arabia, Muslim, 100%. Super peaceful place, of course. Somalia, of course. Super, super. Everybody, when you think of super peaceful, you think of Somalia, 100% Muslim. When you think of a great place to live, I'm thinking about moving there now. Yemen pops in my head. That's 100% Muslim. Yeah, sign me up. But unfortunately, not a surprise here. Peace is never achieved in those places, as in these 100% Muslim states. The most radical Muslims intimidate and spew hatred and satisfy their bloodlust by killing less radical Muslims. For a variety of reasons. You know, a, a, a moderate, a moderate Muslim is the one that says to the other radical Muslim, hey, go cut that guy's head off. He's an infidel. I'm not going to do it, but you go cut his head off. Right? That's what happens. It's exactly what happens. I don't believe in the moderate Muslim, by the way. Those moderate Muslims are going to be the ones that get killed for being not Muslim enough. You guys know that, right? You're smart people. You know that. You get killed for being not Muslim enough, even if you're Muslim. Here's a neat quote from Leon Yuris, the Hajj. Before I was nine, I had learned the basic canon of Arab life. It was me against my brother, me and my brother against our father, my family against my cousins and the clan, and the clan against the tribe, the tribe against the world, and all of us against the infidel. You know, another great thing said here, much like people who claim to seek equality, those who claim to seek peace are rarely seeking peace. I talk about that on the show. Listen, this whole equality thing, it's never about that. The Black Lives Matter, that's not about equality. The gay lobby, not about equality. Not at all about equality. And it never has been. I'm not saying some of the people don't say, hey, yeah, it's look, I don't want more than what is due. I just, I want what is right. I want what is right. I don't, I don't want more. I just, you know, that's, that's the minority, number one. And number two, those are people that just don't understand that, look, you're, you're where the label of a group that you don't understand. It's important to understand that in some countries with well under 100% Muslim populations, such as France, the minority Muslims, the whole minority Muslim population, they live in ghettos. And in those ghettos, they're 100% Muslim. And within those ghettos where they're 100% Muslim, they live by Sharia law. The national police of France, they don't even go into these ghettos. That's why it's such a shock. <sighs> I took some water. That's some fine H2O. This is why it's such a shock, folks. You need to understand that in France, these these raids that are occurring, you know, these big raids that are going on, you need to understand that that's a shocker for France. Because the, the Muslims living in these ghettos, most of which, uh, the estimate right now at this point with France, this is France's estimate, the estimate is, is that 
nine to 96% are receiving aid in the form of taxpayer subsidy from the people of France. Paying your murderers to murder you. Feeding the lion that kills you. Feeding the rattlesnake, which has said, I will come to where you are. I will hunt you out. I will hide behind whatever bush, whatever rock. And then at the appointed time, Allah willing, I will kill you. That's why it's such a shock. They never thought that the the French police and the French military would ever, they would ever come into those areas because they don't go in there. And that's why, ironically, they've been so successful because it was such a shock and awe thing. There are no national courts. There's no schools. There's no non-Muslim religious facilities. In such situations, Muslims do not integrate into the community at large. The children attend madrasas. They only learn the Quran. They learn only the Quran. To even associate with an infidel is a crime punishable by death. Therefore, in some areas certain of certain nations, Muslim imams and extremists exercise more power than the national average would indicate. Today's one point hear this number. Uh today's one point five billion with a B Muslims make up twenty two percent of the world's population, but their birth rates are higher than the birth rates of Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, Jews, and all other believers. By the end of this century, Muslims will exceed 50% of the world's population. Well, boys and girls, today we are letting the fox guard the hen house. The wolves will be herding the sheep. Devout Muslims are being appointed right now to critical homeland security positions in the United States that should make the United States much safer, huh? Was it not devout Muslim men that flew planes into U.S. buildings only, what, 10, 11 years ago? Two thousand and one, fourteen years, I guess. Listen, we can't forget this. Was it not a devout Muslim man who killed 13 people at Fort Hood? He killed from within. They promised they would do that. They would come and be within and among us, and then they would rise up. Here's another thing that I thought was very appropriate from Jerry. Can a good Muslim be a good American? And this question was forwarded to a friend who worked in Saudi Arabia for 20 years. Here's his reply. Theologically, no. A Muslim, a good Muslim, cannot be a good American. Theologically, no, they cannot, because his allegiance is to Allah, the moon god of Arabia. Religiously, no, because no other religion is accepted by Allah, his Allah, except Islam. That's Quran 2, 2.56. Scripturally, no, because his allegiance is to the five pillars of Islam and the Quran. Geographically, can a good Muslim be a good American? No. Geographically, he cannot, because his allegiance is to Mecca, to which he turns in prayer, five times a day. How about socially? Can a good Muslim 
be a good American. No, socially he cannot, because his allegiance is to Islam, and the Quran forbids him to make friends with Christians or Jews. How about politically? Can a can a good Muslim be a a good American from a political standpoint? No, he cannot. Because he must submit to the mullahs or the spiritual leaders who teach annihilation of Israel and the destruction of America, the great Satan. How about domestically? No. Muslims, a good Muslim, cannot be a good American domestically because he is instructed to marry four women and to beat and scourge his wife when she disobeys him. This is from Quran 4.34. How about intellectually? Can a, can a good Muslim intellectually be a good American? No, they cannot, because he cannot accept American Constitution, since it's based on biblical principles, and he believes the Bible to be corrupt. You need to understand that that the Muslims who have been uh, sworn in to Congress and sworn in to Department of Homeland Security positions, they swear in on the Quran. Not the Bible. Can a good Muslim be a good American? Philosophically, no, because Islam, Muhammad, and the Quran do not allow freedom of religion and expression. Democracy and Islam cannot coexist. Every Muslim government is either dictatorial or autocratic. Spiritually, a good Muslim cannot be a good American because when we declare one nation under God, the Christian God is loving and kind, while Allah is never referred to as Heavenly Father, nor is he ever called love in the Quran's 99 excellent names. Therefore, after much study and deliberation, we should be very suspicious of all Muslims in this country. They obviously cannot be both good Muslims and good Americans. You call it what, it, what you will. Look, don't call me a racist because I don't want Muslims in the military or Muslims in government or Muslims in any important role. Islam is not a race, folks. You can be any race. You can be white and be Muslim. You call it what you will. It's still the truth. This religious war is bigger than we know or understand. I said just a second ago, um, and you can listen to this, it's, uh, I think it has something to do with what I would do if I were president. What would my, uh, what would my uh, platform be? And it would be to remove all Muslims from every role, every important role in American government, contractor roles, all of these things. All gone. Frankly, I think they should be removed from this country, forcibly. But I said no Muslim in the military. So that begs the question, can a Muslim be a good soldier? Army Major, Major, Nidal Malik Hassan, opened fire at Fort Hood in Texas. And he killed 13 people. Why are we so jacked up as a country? Leo Holman wrote an incredible piece. An incredible piece. In World Net Daily. Powerful. 
Is the West being slow-cooked by a resurgence of Islamic fervor across the globe, responding to individual attacks by separate groups, but refusing to engage the wider battle? One of Christianity's most widely respected thinkers and erudite apologists says this is exactly the case. In an op-ed entitled, Is Paris Burning? Ravi Zacharias says Europe, America, and the entire free world are being lied to by their politicians and most of their media who refuse to ask the appropriate questions and brand those who dare to do so with nasty labels. The Paris attacks targeted everyday people having fun at restaurants, pubs, a soccer stadium, and at a concert hall. I talked to you last week, by the way, about what was being sung at the moment they attacked. This is a devil-worshipping band, and the people that were there are devil-worshipping, or were devil-worshipping Satanists. Doesn't make it any more horrific of an event, but you need to keep things in perspective. Ravi Zacharias, who was speaking in Egypt this week, was in England the night of the Paris massacre. The newspapers, and by the way, if you don't know who Ravi Zacharias is, you know that, remember that commercial, um, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen? When Ravi Zacharias speaks, you had better listen. Newspapers the next day described the horrific attacks that killed 129 people and injured more than 350 with words like carnage, massacre, assassination, murder, blood, death, screams, terror, and so on. Television programming was preempted and viewers were cautioned that some of the scenes of the slaughter were graphic. It was real, Zacharias wrote. A few hours later, names and pictures of the dead were shown. It was like we had heard this before, but it was new and real. The victims' lives cut short in the peak of their careers, children who were not going to come home. He said, there is a sense that we are at war, but not officially and not seriously enough to name the enemy. War in small increments can be deadlier than large-scale war because it does not desensitize. It doesn't just desensitize the killers. It desensitizes all of humanity. Killers who do not represent a country and whose belief is debated ad nauseum as to whether it is a version or a perversion are truly sinister and are the cancerous cells of our time. Zacharias continued, They are protected by having no roots in either in country or belief. The West is being taken down in small portions till one day the lie of the murderers being protected by smooth-talking power brokers with a bodyguard of lies, will be seen for the terrifying belief that it is. No contrary view will be allowed then. Until that happens, Zacharias says, deception will continue to rule the day. For now, the layers of distortion cover the graves of the murdered. The whole world has become a courtroom where clever lawyers... Make truth unattainable. He wrote, whether it be 9-11 or the carnage at Boston Marathon or blown up planes or Paris, we will not find answers because to ask the question is either to receive a lie from some politicians or many in the media or to invoke the wrath of hate-filled killers. Those who expose the truth about Islam do so at great risk to their personal safety. Folks, I get death threats every day. Dr. Sean, I get death threats every day. Every day. Such that you cannot imagine. 
I don't live in fear. Many, such as the great Pamela Geller and Robert Spencer, also get lampooned in the media, even barred from entering once-free countries like Great Britain. So we ask, says Zacharias, what is the belief behind all this that kills with such callousness? We do not get any answers. We are told by some that it's a religion of peace. Others call it a political theory at its core, covered with the garb of religion to give it maximum protection as it invokes the laws of blasphemy. But what is the answer? We had dare not unpack the truth. In one sense, strangely, one strangely, one feels almost pity for these murderers. He said, the possessor of hate loses the essence of life much more than the victim does. Living with a heart so deceived breeds a decimating misery within and spreads the venom globally. There must be scores of young men within the belief who do not wish to inflict such pain, but who now live with such a pall of suspicion over them, such as the contagion of a poisoned soul. In fact, those who try to break with Islam invite horrific consequences of their own. A man in Britain who converted a decade, uh, about a decade ago, uh, from Islam to Christianity lives in constant fear of attacks. The father of six, Nisar Hussein, who was brutally beaten outside his home last Tuesday by two hooded Muslims. He was dealt a broken arm, a broken kneecap, and a concussion. This is the new Britain. This is the path Britain has chosen. Geller, author of Stop the Islamization of America, wrote at her blog, The UK Home Office banned me from the country for standing up against this Muslim brutality and thuggery, and they've ruthlessly moved against everyone who stands up against them. So now the Muslim thugs and jihad killers have the run of the place. Let me say this here. This is Dr. Sean chiming in. I, I'm, I'm, uh, this is one of the best articles ever. One of the best articles ever. You know, uh, Jerry has, has sent me this, reminding me of this, and I think it's appropriate to remind you. The, the, there are actually six pillars in Islam. The sixth is jihad. The names of Muhammad's two sons were Hassan and Hussein. Neither lived to adulthood. A president's middle name is Hussein. You guys get that, right? Somehow or another. We invited a man named Hussein after after 9/11 where 19 muslim men murdered our brothers and our sisters our fathers and our mothers and our children and since have killed over 8000 soldiers have died fighting a named a nameless uniformless countryless enemy that our own president one of their own Hussein Obama refuses to name and actually refuses to fight Claire Lopez vice president of research and analysis for the Center for Security Policy says she holds America's leaders responsible for the failure to recognize Islam for what it is 
There has always been a disconnect, she said. Our top leadership has never understood what Islam really is and implemented policies they thought were going to empower democratic forces against dictators, never realizing the reason those dictators were able to hold things together was precisely because they suppressed jihad and that if they let up the pressure or if genuinely free elections were held, the jihadis would win or at least surge back up to cause mayhem again, Lopez told World Net Daily. Author and filmmaker G.M. Davis takes up the crucial question in his new book, House of War, Islam, Islam Jihad Against the World. By the way, my friend Eric Stackelbeck wrote an incredible book, folks, an incredible book. Eric's going to be back on the show uh, in the coming weeks, and, he, and he's going to talk about his book. Phenomenal. This guy's killing it. But House of War, Islam's Jihad Against the World, in that book, G.M. Davis not only asks but answers the forbidden questioning, concluding that the origin of Islamic violence is Islam itself. As I have been saying from this microphone and from pulpits and lecterns all across this country, wherever I'm invited to speak, the origin of Islamic violence is Islam itself. G.M. Davis quotes Hiskett, who makes the following observation about multicultural Britain, which could just as easily be applied to America. Britain has failed because the multiculturalists have failed to understand the nature of Islam. What they offer is a gallimaufry of humanist ideas and some selective comparative religion shorn of all irrational elements for which an unhallowed relativism, not a passionate accession of faith and a blinding encounter with divinity, is the premise this is defended as an ability to cope with the uncertainty posed by pluralism. In fact, it is an attempt to extinguish the sacerdotal. It may seem admirable in the fashionable context of liberal doubt, but what the multiculturalists forget or have never understood, is that the equation is altogether one-sided. For the Islamic side, there is neither doubt nor pluralism, only very limited tolerance. All multiculturalism does is to enable the Muslims to run rings around their trusting multiculturalist and interfaith well-wishers in the business of bending the British education system to their will. My friends, this is the Ninja Pastor talking now. That is happening here. My friend Steve from chat says they would argue we pull the pin on the grenade because we are oppressing the grenade by not letting it become what it is. While countries like Britain, Germany, Sweden, and Belgium appear to have made their choices of what path to follow, the quest for answers still haunts, says Ravi Zacharias. In one Middle Eastern country, an awful thing happened. Two young Muslims turned atheists were on a program. They argued for the reality that blood had been spilled across the centuries and that there was no denying that from its earliest days to the present, this was the same bloodletting in the name of the belief as originally given and carried out. Then one of them asked the cleric a question that was pointed out as could be. As pointed as could be. It was a powerful question with an irrefutable fact Within the question, the question laid bare a reality that was deemed blasphemous. The next day, 
the man and his entire family were murdered just for asking a fact-laden question that was unanswerable without conceding the truth. For that, he and his family paid their lives. Zacharias goes on to say that's the depravity of our age. It is death to ask the pointed question because the answer, if true, betrays the real truth. The masquerade is on, and it is deadly. We watch hundreds die. We hear speeches full of distortions. We tolerate deceit, and we even reward it. Some in power and in the public eye whitewash the reality while the blood of the murdered cries out from the ground. Our children and grandchildren will inherit the whirlwind because our media pundits and misguided speechmakers have sown to the wind by trading in lives for their power. Zechariah says there is hope even in the midst of the reigning lie. The lie has a shelf life. The truth abides forever, he said. God can even conquer through our perversion. Where is a lot of this? coming from? Where are the speechmakers? This is back to Dr. Sean. Where are the speechmakers that are spreading these lies or these distortions? Where are they coming from in America? Where are they coming from? You know, there's a guy by the name of uh, the Church World Service, is a left-wing organization, uh, but the CEO of it is, and he's, he's paid a high six-figure salary for doing this, Reverend John L. McCullough, friend of Hussein Obama, he was arrested at the White House in 2014 while protesting for amnesty for illegal aliens. And you need to understand, these are left-wing community organizers. They are not churches. But what they do is they organize as churches so that they can skirt all of the other requirements. You know, the... the um, the air quotes refugees that are coming into this country, you need to understand the reason why Catholic charities, and I'm going to name a bunch of them, I'm going to give you a bunch of them here, the reason why the president has put them in charge of this is because they don't have any requirement. Because they're a religion, they don't have to divulge their activities. Isn't that something? Yet in Houston, Texas, the uh, openly and militant gay mayor demanded preachers clear their sermons through her first. Lee Homan uh, wrote that great article, by the way, that just uh, that I just read to you. That was in WorldNet Daily. Responding to recent announcements that certain governors will not accept Syrian refugees or resettlement in their states, Church World Service President and CEO, the Reverend John L. McCullough, by the way, in the state of Delaware, I was part of a commission that was kind of organized um, uh, Nicole Tice, uh, she runs the Delaware Family. She's the founder, actually, of Delaware Family Policy Council and Delaware Strong Families, doing great work there, yeoman's work, and all of our many volunteers, um, really doing great, great stuff uh, in the state of Delaware. The small, small wonder, of course, but it is um, it really, really great work they're doing. And so um, she encouraged me to become a part of this as a faith leader and a political leader in the in the state of Delaware. And so we kind of gathered together with some other people. I don't have permission to say their names just yet on the radio, but uh, we kind of helped create a letter collectively 
that we're sending to uh, the governor of the state of Delaware, strongly encouraging him to stop his pursuit of bringing refugees into the state of Delaware. You need to be on the phone with your with your governors, with your legislators at all levels, and fight them. So the terrorist attacks in Paris will certainly change our world. There may be little that we can do individually. This is the article, by the way, that I got from um, my dear friend, Andrea Shea King. You know, Andrea writes for World Net Daily, by the way. Phenomenal work. Just phenomenal work. A radio show is killer. It's a killer radio show. There's nothing she's afraid to tackle. That's why I like her. So there's reports on refugees. I'm not going to give out their website because I'm not going to advertise for them. The Church World Service, super leftist organization, bunch of liars. They're really a fundraiser. They're pushing, even though the president is saying, Hussein Obama, let's bring in 10,000. They are saying, this organization, which is really a National Council of Churches, uh, they're looking for 100,000, air quotes, refugees. And by the way, they're a huge fundraising organization, just like the UN. So send them money. By the way, just so you understand, the Church World Service was uh, the the major contractor that came to a county in Florida in 2007 that first drew the writer of this article into this very serious issues. The question is, are you a member of one of the faith communities that I'm going to read? I'm going to read a list to you. And if you are, it's time to stand up to your church. Listen, if your church is a member of the National Council of Churches, your church is helping to push for 100,000 mostly Muslim Syrians, to be admitted to the United States. This is a handy list, so you keep this handy here. African Methodist Episcopal Church. How many AME brothers and sisters out there know that your denomination is secretly fighting to bring in Syrians and other refugees, Muslim refugees from around the world, and they hate you and they're going to kill you? They refer to black people as dogs. Yeah, even though they're dark-skinned, they refer to black people as dogs. Did you know that? The African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, Alliance of Baptists, American Baptist churches in the United States of America, Armenian Church of America, Eastern and Western Dioceses, Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the United States and Canada, Christian Methodist Episcopal Church. Folks, if you're in this church, if this, if I'm reading off your denomination, you need to get on the phone immediately with your pastor and the leadership of your denomination, and you need to fight them. You need to stand up against them. That's reality. My brother Jerry, some of you are asking, what are the six pillars of Islam? You keep saying they're the pillars. Most people think five pillars, but there's really six. And they want to know what they are. Number one is confession. Thank you, Jerry. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. The second pillar of Islam is prayer five times a day, memorized in Arabic, in the direction of Mecca. The third pillar of Islam is fasting during the month of Ramadan. The fourth pillar of Islam is giving of alms, 2.5% of your wealth. And the fifth is pilgrimage to Mecca, once in a lifetime. The objective is to copy the patterns of Muhammad, 
Muhammad copied this from the Jewish tribes of his day who prayed facing Jerusalem. And the sixth, as I said before, is jihad. Slay the infidels wherever they may be found. Thank you, Jerry. Awesome work. I'm going to shock you guys with the remaining parts of the list. You say, well, some of those are kind of offshoots, and I'm not part of that. Well, you said some Baptist, and you said some of that. I have a, a huge black following, by the way, and um, which is a surprise. I mean, it is a surprise to me, but then again, it's not a surprise to me. Well, you know, come on. Why does there need to be color? But the African Methodist Episcopal Church, I'm already getting messages right now. They're like, no way, dude. I'm, I, that's where I go. I go to AME, which was founded in the state of Delaware, by the way. I'm an AME member, man. Come on, that can't be true. So I just sent them the proof of it. Get on the phone with your leaders. Let them know what's happening. I said the Alliance of Baptists. I said the American Baptist Churches in the United States of America. You ready for this? Christian Methodist Episcopal Church, CMEC. Church of the Brethren, the Community of Christ, Coptic Orthodox Archdiocese of North America, the Ecumenical Catholic Communion, the Episcopal Church, USA. You know the Episcopal Church. That's the one that not only uh, um, you know lobbied heavily and aggressively for inclusion of gay priests, but also transgender priests. The Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. You remember that church? That's the church that was part of the flotilla to Gaza. They said, hey, we're just bringing food. We're just trying to help these poor Gazans. They took all that money they got and international aid and concrete that they got, and they built these huge tunnels with electric and water and all that, and and that's how they're attacking Israel instead of spending it on food and hospitals. The Evangelical Lutheran Church of America was caught in this flotilla. They said it was just food, just medicine, when in fact it was thousands of weapons, grenades, shoulder-fired rockets. The Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of America, Hungarian Reformed Church in America, the International Council of Community Churches, Korean Presbyterian Church Abroad, Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church, the American Diocese, the Martoma Church, Moravian Church in America, Northern and Southern Provinces, National Baptist Convention of America. Baptist, let me hear from you. The National Baptist Convention USA, Inc. Let me hear from you. NBC. National Missionary Baptist Convention of America. Let me hear from you, Missionary Baptist. The Orthodox Church in America, the Patriarchal Parishes of the Russian Orthodox Church in the United States, Polish National Catholic Church, Presbyterian Church USA, PC USA. Let me hear from you. Let me hear from you. There's a lot of people in my extended family that grew up in the Presbyterian Church, the PC USA even. They were shocked to learn this. Progressive National Baptist Convention, Inc., Reformed Church in America, Religious Society of Friends, Friends United Meeting, Friends School in Wilmington, Delaware, one of the the most expensive schools in Delaware, private schools in Delaware. 
Religious Society of Friends, Philadelphia Yearly Meeting, Serbian Orthodox Church of North and South America, the Swedenborgian Church of North America, Syrian Orthodox Church of Antioch, Archdiocese of the Eastern United States, Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the USA, the United Church of Christ, the United Methodist Church. Do you understand the United Church of Christ, the United Methodist Church, very mainstream? Many of the others you heard in there. If you attend that church, look, we're not going to have a, a, a theological conversation in the places that we differ, in the places that we stand. But I'm here to tell you, if you attend or you're a member of that organization, any of those that I named, you need to get on the phone. You need to get an appointment with your pastor. You need to get an appointment with your board. And you need to get in their face. Now, I'm going to skip. I had some commercials planned to try to tell you what we're about. Um, just please, if you will, if you carry or own a gun, go to the Second Call Defense uh, the Ninja Pastor, click on that Second Call Defense button. It'll tell you all about it. You get a free month when, when uh, well, I've researched them all, folks, for real. I've researched them all. Trust me, carried a gun professionally since 1983. I'm telling you, this is the best. They're endorsed by the NRA. There's no better. But I want to share with you some, some practical advice that, look, you know, I'm not going to say if a Paris-like situation occurs here. Look, we've already had 9-11, folks. They used airplanes, of course, but now they're doing a ground war. Not to the exclusion of, you know, look at all the, what is it, 86 TSA. They just did a review of the TSA. 86 TSA officials were not only not able to clear, they were on the terror watch list. 86 of them. Feel safe? Yeah, you keep taking your shoes off. And taking your little miniature bottles of shampoo on and think you're safe. Take your belt off. Put your laptop in a... Come on. The very people. The very people. The very people who are checking you are letting their friends onto the planes. They're letting... Bombs onto the planes. So here's the thing. I'm going to give you a top ten list. I'll give you one for free. You need to realize it will happen here. By the way, part of this is from Bearing Arms. Great resource for you. You need to realize that a Paris-like uh, uh, attack in the United States is going to happen here. You need to realize it will happen here. This isn't a paranoid statement. It's a simple, unpleasant fact based on intelligence-gathering efforts. Expert opinion and common sense. At some point, it is, excuse me, it is likely that there will be a coordinated Paris-type attack in the United States on schools, shopping malls, sporting events, or other mass gathering areas. By the way, don't think that it's only going to happen in New York or Chicago or Los Angeles because, listen, what will be better to create fear, and that's the ultimate goal of terrorists, than to be killing dozens or hundreds of people? at a school in rural Mississippi or a shopping mall in Montana. Here's number two. I talked about this before. Always carry a concealed firearm where legal. 
Look, carrying a firearm, I've done it uh, professionally since 1983, carrying a firearm is, is a lifestyle habit. It's not something you should do only occasionally or when you feel it's likely there will be trouble. Odds are you won't be able to guess the date or the time or the place of a life-threatening violent action. A concealed firearm in the hands of a responsible and trained individual is statistically one of the best tools available to stop. Listen, that's not that's not guessing. That's not one of my listeners says, what does hyperbole mean? You know, they're from southern Delaware. I don't know better. What does hyperbole mean? Well, look, that's not hyperbole. It's fact. It's data. It's data, and you can't argue with the data. You know what I mean? But a concealed firearm in the hands of a responsible and trained individual, someone with comfort and skill at arms, is statistically one of the best tools available to stop a mass killing. That's not a guess. It's not hyperbole. It's fact. And number three, improvised weapons are within reach. If you cannot or choose not to carry a firearm, maybe there's a reason you can't carry a firearm, there are always effective weapons within your immediate area, so you've got to learn to use them. Whenever you're unarmed in a public area, make it a habit. You may even make it a game to choose three nearby items that make a good weapon if things turn nasty. Number four, look, you've got to know. Folks, you've got to know at a minimum where your exits are located. You know what? Many people uh, in Paris, they died because they were trampled. You watch the video, uh, the person is looking down and to the right of the back of the Bataclan. You watch that video, a bunch of people, a bunch of people got killed by the people fleeing. They got trampled. You got to know where the exits are located. Everywhere you go, head on a swivel. Know where the exits are. Know how to get out. You've got to, number five, you've got to act decisively. You've got to think immediate action drill. During an attack, you're either going to fight or you're going to flee. Don't mill around. Don't wait for instruction. Don't wait for some text. Tell my kids, look, they're both on college campuses in the United States, separate areas. One's in the South. Well, both are in the South. Uh, Don't wait for them to tell you what to do. You have a game plan. Get out of town. Get out of the area. Act decisively. Well, sit around waiting for some bureaucrat to decide what to tell you. Get out of the area. They can't hurt you if you're not there. Just like in fighting, in MMA, and in boxing, and martial, in all different types of martial arts, they can't hit you if you're not where they think you are. Flee the area. As soon as you have the opportunity, get away. Get out. Or... If the attacker is right there and you have the heart to do it, instantly and with committed resolve, attack them, if at all possible. The old chestnut is still true. To ponder is to perish. Number six, be alert to people and unusual circumstances. I got asked this last night in the Q&A section. You know, the cool thing about our Kehala, you can come live. You can actually come live. You don't... Nobody's going to pressure you to give in an offering. Nobody's going to pressure you to stand up and say who you are or anything like that. We're not going to do any hokey stuff like that. We'll even feed you. From 5 to 5.30, we feed everybody. We have a great meal together, all home-cooked stuff, all good stuff. 
And then from 5.30 to 6.30, we, we kind of do this, but more of in a church setting. It's awesome. You can listen here, or if you're in the Tri-State area, come, come, and, come and listen. It'll be fun. It'll be really, really cool. But you've got to be alert to unusual circumstances and, and to people that don't quite fit. Most folks, you know, you're not going to see a large pink gorilla wandering around the hallway with a sign above him, a little thing that says, terrorist, 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 with a line pointing down to him. You're not going to see a suspicious individual fiddling with wires under a long trench coat, most likely, on a hot day. You don't have to glare at every single person, every single passerby. You don't have to glare at every single one, but you have to pay attention. You simply maintain a loose focus for unusual patterns of activity within your surroundings. This is also, and I talk about this, if you have me come speak to your organization uh, about anti-terrorism or what can we do, I, I go all over the country to do this. Um, and it costs you a lot less than you think. Get a hold of us through our through the website, theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. Get a hold of us through there, through the Contact Me page, and you know your people can talk to my people, and we can make something happen. It's powerful. And when I speak in private organizations, uh, you get stuff you don't get on the radio. Let me just say that. But this is called Condition Yellow, Maintaining Condition Yellow. Then number seven, if you see something, say something. Law enforcement everywhere, they have stories of witnesses who said after a crime, I wasn't sure what was going on, but I didn't want to make a big deal out of it in case it wasn't anything. If you see people or objects that look suspicious, notify the authorities right away. Don't wait. There is no punishment for being mistaken, but there are huge consequences to being correct and not sharing the information. You know how many people? How many people? Do you know how many people? At the Boston Marathon bombing, said I saw them. I, I just didn't. I don't know. I didn't want to be accusatory, but it did seem weird. But it seemed so weird I didn't want to say anything because it was just weird, weird. Thirty. Thirty people. They saw something odd in these two young men, by the way, Muslim refugees who were vetted by our government. There's no punishment for being mistaken, but listen, if you're wrong, the cost. Number eight, as we run out of time, there's one more bomb attack or assailant. Experience has shown that attackers are increasingly planning not only their initial assault, but follow-up actions such as secondary or even tertiary explosives or attackers. Such actions not only increase the shock and awe of the incident, but also cause additional carnage, and they damage the emergency response system. Listen, I was sitting in a, a what counts as a high-rise in Columbus, Ohio, on 9-11. I think I was on the fourth or fifth floor. I can't remember which floor I was on. And as soon as this happened, of course, obviously, I'm a I'm an internationally known expert on Islam, uh, and on my radar, Osama bin Laden had been on my radar for quite some time, since the 93 bombing of the World Trade Center. Um, as soon as that happened, I went immediately to my boss, who was also a veteran, and I said, brother, this is what's going to happen. Great guy, really super great guy. I won't say his name on the air, but he really, really, really was extraordinary. Really extraordinary. 
And I said to him, you know, and I know, this plane hitting the World Trade Center is Islam attacking America. We are now under attack, and this isn't the first one. There'll be many more. They like to act in sevens because in the Christian faith, uh, seven is the number of perfection. You understand that, right? Number of perfection. So the fact is we knew, and, and as became uh, pointedly obvious uh, later on, there were seven attackers. But we grounded the planes. We, uh, we took action, decisive action. A little too late, but we did it. You need to understand that there's, there's always more than one bomb attack or assailant. They start, as people go to one section, the, the person standing there starts taking their uh, response. They start firing. They start shooting. They start their explosions. They detonate their, their uh, murder uh, vests. I don't call them uh, suicide bombers. I call them homicide bombers, murder bombers. You see, the people were fighting Islam. They don't care about dying. They don't care. By the way, uh, someone in chat uh, in Ohio said, we put, uh, we put your broadcast on in the house and the whole family listens on Sunday. That's awesome. It's free. It's free to listen to. We'd love for you. Uh, tell your friends, folks. Everybody tell somebody. Here's number nine. Have a basic understanding of medical trauma care, trauma medical care. In the aftermath of a bombing or shooting incident, many people will be bleeding to death, and you have two or three minutes to save lives. You see, you understand. Look, I'm going to say this, and I don't want to offend you. Uh, I've been a air quotes first responder. I hate that term, first responder. Many of my friends are law enforcement, federal law enforcement, CIA, um, DEA, and, and others. Listen, that term, first responder, is, is inaccurate. You are the first responder. You're the one there. Don't be a victim. Be a victor. You need to understand mass casualty triage principles and some basic tactical combat casualty care. One of my friends who listens to this show uh, faithfully is a, is a fireman, EMT, and, and a registered nurse. And I'm sure that he would teach classes. I probably does teach classes on it. I'd love to do travel around the Midwest. Uh, if you have me come and talk about this, we can have a section. We'll have him come and we'll have him teach how to apply a tourniquet, how to immobilize the spine, safe patient evacuation from threatening circumstances, how to stop bleeding safely. Number 10, trust your intuition. Look, if something, I've said this a thousand times, I travel all over the country talking about this, and people are shocked, and they shake their head, and they go, hmm, trust my intuition. Look, if something feels dangerous or simply makes you uneasy, trust your inner voice. That could be God bring to you. Look around. Head on a swivel, child. That doesn't look right over there. Pay attention to what you see. Speak up. Take action. This inner dialogue must be wrong, but then again, you may have subconsciously picked up subtle environmental clues that you can't quite put your finger on. You've said this a thousand times. 
I, I, can't, I can't quite put my finger on it. But they're real. At the very least, if you say, look, I, I don't know if I could do that. But if I'm wrong, get over that, frankly. But you can't play, quite put your finger on it. At the very least, if you don't have the courage or bravery to move to a safer position and relocate to where you can more easily escape a potential kill zone. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to just tell you the real here. I'm not going to malls around the holidays. I'm not doing it. I'm not a mall guy anyway. I basically just go to the Apple store, and that's about it. Places like Costco, you know, ultra-liberal Costco, Sam's Club. Great parking lots, those Sam's Clubs. Sam's Clubs and all these other places. Large gatherings, churches across America. Folks, you better smarten up. You had better smarten up because I'm here to tell you something. You are the next target. You're on their list. Whole building full of sucker infidels. My church, my Kehla, newsflash. He'll be so full of lead you won't know what hits you. We all trained. We have comfort and skill at arms, and we don't ask questions. We don't have conversations with you. You want to try to harm us and our families during our time of worship newsflash, you're going to pay with your life, and we don't care. At the very least, until you're ready to be there, which time is ticking away, until you're ready to be there, you're ready if it goes there, Madison Rising, ready if it goes there. Move to a safer position. Relocate. Get your family to safety. Okay, you don't care about anybody else? Get your family to safety. Get out of the kill zone. Look, here's this word again, hyperbole. It is not hyperbole to state that we are now all terrorism responders. We are all first responders because of the avowed goal of Daesh and other such groups is to bring death and destruction to Main Street, United States of America. But you understand, with planning and preparation, regular individual citizens in the United States can sometimes prevent, often shorten, and effectively respond to mass killing incidents. The terrorists are ready and they're waiting. Ask yourself, are you ready? Are you really ready? Look, in the second part of this, I, I, I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm going to get to this today. And I'm sorry about that, but I felt like the information presented before uh, was very, very important uh, for you to have as background. And I hope that you've uh, seen some benefit from it. If you have, send me a message. Um, you know, put comments on the Blog Talk Radio. You have to sign up to be a Blog Talk Radio commenter. Uh, if you sign up on there under blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor, you can put comments there. And that really is helpful to me. I have a lot of listeners, many, many listeners who don't listen directly through the portal, but through a through a clearinghouse, if you will, portal. And, um, you know, I lose all the numbers for all those people. So sign up when you can and put comments in there. That pushes us up and can get us some free promotion through Blog Talk Radio. But I'm not a huge fan. I'll just say this with just seven minutes going. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Rick Warren. You guys know that. Um, uh, he's not my favorite. You know, a lot of people try to pin him with the uh, Chris Lom, 
the mixture of Christianity and Islam. They try to say that he, you know, he was a um, he is a guy who is, is a, uh, a promoter of that. Well, I'm going to say this to you. You need to understand this. Uh, very, very important. Um, even though I'm not a huge fan of Rick Warren, what I'm going to talk to you next week about, I do owe to him some of that because, as unlikely a source as it is, much of the scripture I'm going to share with you is uh, scripture that he did compile. I'm also recalling some years ago when I had the bright idea of doing my doctoral dissertation on just war theology till I read what kind of muckety-muck is out there on just war theology. I decided I didn't yet have enough original thought to add to the topic. It seems that is changing given the climate today across the globe. But I want to look at what the Bible says about some of the questions about war. Most of us have been glued to the TV or radio over the past few weeks as the terrorists struck France successfully. We've been warned since 9-11 that it would be a long war. The president back then told us, look, folks, this is not an overnight war. This is going to take a while. And you know what? I know that it has raised many, many questions among Christians. Many of the folks that I know and I teach, is, when I do Q&A across the country, one of the things that if you call me to your organization or your conference or whatever it is to speak, I like to always try to have a Q&A if there's time. And one of the biggest questions I get asked in the Q&A is, what does the Bible say about war? It is literally one of the biggest and most often asked questions I get during my speaking engagements. And on this radio show, I get a lot of comments. Uh, sent to me, private comments, and they and they say, you know, I just need to know what the Bible says. I thought the perfect thing to do to, to start today, at least get your mind thinking, then we'll finish it up next week, is to spend some time, maybe we should pray for people just like you, Christians or Jews and other peaceful religions that cannot comprehend why Muslims want to kill innocent people. I say it all the time, you've got to let that go. Don't ask why the, don't ask why the, 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 the rattlesnake will kill you. Don't ask why the rattlesnake will bite you. Recognize that it will. It just will. It just does. The hungry lion will eat you. Don't ask them why. Why are you eating me? Let that go. Accept that it will. So I'm praying that I can help you realize, but what I said just prior to this, what I've known for many, many years, decades, Islam is the weapon and we're the target. You need to understand something very powerful. I won't stop saying and doing what I say and do until all Islamic terrorists are dead. Look, when we come back next week and also join us on Sunday, we're talking about this there, we're going to look at this very thing. What is the real cause of war? Is it ever right to fight? Will the world ever have permanent peace? I get asked this question a lot, too. Is this the final war? Is this World War III? And I get asked a lot, how should we as Christians and Jews respond during war? Folks, we need to pray. We need to trust God. We need to seek peace, and we need to support each other. 
Romans 12, 8 through 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be sensitive to each other's needs. Don't think of yourself better than others, but make humble people your friends. Don't be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but try to do what everyone regards as good. Very important. What everyone regards as good. Verse 18, if possible, very important two words there. And to the extent that it depends on you, very important words, live in peace with all people. Never seek revenge, my friends. Instead, leave that to God's anger, for in the Tanakh it is written, Adonai says, vengeance is my responsibility. I will repay. On the contrary, if your enemy is thirsty or enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap fiery coals of shame on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. You're taking notes, and you should not be taking notes if you're driving your car right now or while listening to this broadcast. Uh, or if you're a tightrope walker, if that's what you're doing right now and you're in between buildings, don't take notes. If that is the case, by the way, you're awesome. But I want you to circle, if you're taking notes, circle if it is possible. I'm going to talk to you why those words within these scriptures are critically important. Thank you for joining me, folks. The TheNinjaPastor.com. DrSeanGreener.com. There's a donate button there if you believe in what we do. You want to help us do what we do. You want to help us expand what we do. Every penny, literally every penny, goes back into this ministry. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your encouragement. I appreciate your prayers. Lord knows I need them. Join us on Sunday. It's going to be rocking. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.